Hi, welcome to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood, the podcast for women over 45. My name's Karen O'Connor. I'm a blogger, author, entrepreneur, property developer, mother of four, and I've been married for 30 years. I love health and fitness and anything creative, and I'm absolutely fascinated with personal development and psychology. Join me each week for conversations about life beyond 45. I'll have inspiring stories, lots of guest interviews and tips and tricks to hack our brains so we can intentionally and deliberately create an amazing future for ourselves. If it's your first time here, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'd love it if you share this episode with your friends on social media and let me know your key takeaways because I'd love to hear them. Enjoy and welcome to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm here today with Stephanie Stevenson, a beautiful woman from, well, South Africa originally and Melbourne, who is doing the most amazing things in her business life. And she's doing it all while she's got five children, which I just find incredible. And they're not all grown up children either. She's got young children. First of all, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself? So when did you come to Australia? Because you're you're actually a single parent as well. Yeah, so good question. So as you said, born in Africa and uh, spent some time in England and then went to New Zealand, like many people who come to Australia from New Zealand and then uh, came across in 2011, so nine years ago this month, January with four, four children at that time. And I was re- really fortunate, I was working at ANZ Bank and managed to get a role at ANZ Bank in Melbourne. So uh, I was very excited and pleased to, to arrive here. I think um, for me, for Australia and compared to New Zealand, um, there's much more opportunity for the children. So that was a big, uh, a big impetus and a big factor for, for moving over. Had another baby pretty soon after we got here and uh, I think, Within a couple of years, so 2011 by 2013, um, my marriage hit the rocks. So I got separated and divorced and have been pretty much, uh, yeah, single mum since that time. So it's been quite full on. So how old were the kids at that point when you got separated? Yeah, so James, Mr. my eldest, must have been around 14, 14. He's 22 now. And... Um, that means like 14, 10, 8, 4 and 2, I think, probably, the ages. Yeah, so young, young kids and really hard for them to go through that as well. Like, like most, um, most situations, it, it's not a happy time. So it wasn't a happy time for them, quite challenging. And you were working full time as well at this point? Working full time, so I had a, a um, I had a, a moment there where I'd I'd been contracting for a while, and I got offered a, co- a contracting role and a permanent role. So had a, had to really make that decision about what I was doing with my career, and um, took a permanent role at, at ANZ in the technology division, and it was, yeah, it was great, one of the best things that I've done, and just to get that security and. And then was kind of thinking, like many people, I think, who, who get divorced, uh, it's such a blank canvas. You, you think it's a blank canvas. It's not really, but it's like, oh, I'm starting again. Like, what, what am I going to do differently? 
So that was where I was thinking I really wanted to start saying yes to opportunities that came my way. So I said yes to a lot of things, which we can probably talk a little bit about as we go on down. But the the other thing was I really wanted to invest in property. And up until that time, hadn't really thought about how I could do that. I had a flat in London when I was there, when we were there, which um, which I sold and had some land in New Zealand, but really hadn't thought about how can we get onto the property ladder. So that was a big thing for me over the last few years doing that. And the other thing that I said yes to was becoming an executive producer on a on a movie. This was a, a Susie Quattro documentary, which has been successful, which is great. And I've since left ANZ. I'm, I'm working for an insurance company now, IAG Insurance, and that's a lot of travel. So that's been a big adjustment for the whole family in the last year, literally traveling every couple of weeks to Sydney or New Zealand or, yeah, just just heaps of travel or the, the US even for work. So lots of, it's actually quite exciting. I love it. And um, it's been a great experience, despite, and then juggling, managing it all, getting a housekeeper to help out and, and all those things, yeah. So there's a real variety in the things that you do. You know, you work in what would be considered by me, who is no judge of these things, in a really boring kind of role at work. You know, you're in IT, you're in a bank or you're in a yeah. big insurance company, and then you go off yeah. on the side and become executive producer on a movie like hello that's a bit and a Susie Quattro if you don't know who Susie Quattro is she's she's very popular in the 70s as a rocker she was one of the first women rocker uh, rockers and she both played bass guitar and had her own band and she's really an amazing lady I've had, had the opportunity to spend some time with her so so really in love with that and totally different to anything that I thought I would be doing certainly and even the, the property renovations in the midst of having such a you know a huge family and all the demands of family and, and all the demands of work as well being able to do all of that and, and make it all happen yeah there's two places I want to go now okay let's go with the property renovations for a start so or the property is it renovations do you buy and do up and sell yes it's slightly more complicated than that because for t so it started with I want to ma manage my tax better. So what I need to do with that is <laughs> get a property right because then I can negatively gear and offset that against my tax. And it kind of hasn't really worked like that. So we got a property that I'm actually in now, which we've just sold. We're moving out this week and we settle on Thursday, I think. So lots happening with that. So we purchased it, and I'm happy to give you the numbers if that's appropriate. But you want to. So purchased it for three fifty-five in one of the suburbs outside of Melbourne, and probably put between fifteen and thirty thousand in into it. So three fifty-five. We had to come up with a fifty-five thousand dollar deposit, and um, the mortgage and the stamp duty, and the mortgage is, is around about three fifteen now. And we sold it in December for five forty. Wow. So the challenge though was so a couple of things happened. One, I moved into the property because I found that I was renting somewhere else, lovely home, really loved it. But the the cost of rent plus paying the mortgage on the property was coming to around five grand a month. And I could immediately drop two grand just by moving in. Hmm. So as soon as we got it to a certain state of um, renovation, livable state, five kids in the property, and uh, it's it was challenging. It's challenging, 
And then as soon as it got up to the state where it was renovated enough, we'd already purchased another property, another renovation property. I moved into that and we put it onto Airbnb. Absolutely bizarrely, I've got no idea why, because it's in the middle of a suburb in, in out of Melbourne. It's been extremely popular and I think the 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 mortgage is like just under two grand and it was making between three and four grand a month from Airbnb. So wow. I didn't manage to negatively gear it. And so it's always concerned when it came to tax time that I was gonna, you know, be be having to pay pay back Mr. Taxman for, for making good money. But we put it on the market and we, we were t- taking the money out now. And I think one of the things that we've learned is it's easier for us to have one one property that we're living in and renoing and maybe another property. But when, when you're having to fully fund the mortgage for one and it's not it's unlivable, it doesn't work. The other thing for me was uh, another tax factor was because I lived in it for over 12 months, the the taxes reduced. Yeah, it's a big you component. Yeah. So, yeah. and and again with the, the new property that we're in, I'll, I'll soon I'll be in there for over twelve months again. So we're looking out. Sold this one, taking the money, putting it into the other one just to reduce the mortgage and and stuff. And and we'll be looking for our next one. Yeah. So it's great. Really fun. Wow, that is a really good profit on that. Great. On that, hey. um, size of purchase. That was fantastic. Yeah. So it must have been a massive doer upper, was it? Well. I think because we did a lot of the work, well, I didn't actually, Liam, Liam did a lot of the work and he's my partner in crime with doing all of this. He's done a lot of the work. So, so every, you know, every room has been touched, floors have been replaced throughout, everything's been carpeted, every wall, we've fixed up the roof, what else? And, and it's the little things like, I came in one day and he decked out the whole uh, little porch at the front and it just, everything that you do, you don't have to spend that much, just increases the value. It's a nice small property though, whereas the one that we've gone into is a little bit more challenging because it's got uh, it's got beautiful tiles throughout, <laughs> huge tiles that are really hard to drill and you can't uh, can't lift up So um, and it's much bigger. So it's actually been more challenging. I kind of like the little smaller property, better do upper and, and a maybe even a bigger profit. Yeah. yeah, possibly. And how are the kids with doing all the moves? They, um, you know, I spoke to my, my brother about this at length because I was concerned about the fact that not just having them move around, but also having them constantly <laughs> properties that we're renovating. That's kind of my choice, but it's it being imposed on them. And he just pointed out to me, it's a real gift for them to be in that environment, sort of entrepreneurial environment where they're seeing how it's done and they're understanding how it's done and actually see how easy it is to do. And um, we discuss things like the numbers all the time and what we're doing and why we, you know, paying down this mortgage or whatever it might be doing, just so that they're, they're building that consciousness for when they become adults and at least they've got the decision themselves as to whether they want to just relax in their own home and not do anything or be a bit crazy like mum and go out and do property development. (laughs) So while you were doing, so you, let me get this straight, five kids renovating a house, doing a Susie Quattro movie and you got a job as well? Yeah. (laughs) I've got nothing to say to that. (laughs) (laughs) It's heaps, it's heaps. But it just works for me. That's what works for me. Yeah. 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 Wow. You're also really into the personal development side of things, aren't you? Because you do do coaching as well as you have your own mentors that help you with your mindset and your business and all that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think it's fair to say the one thing that I haven't yet done, which I really want to do, is is do more of the coaching and, and mentoring and supporting. The best thing I've done is a while ago, I had a group of girls who were trying to, you know, just get further ahead and, and increase their income. And we would meet once a week for an hour every week and just do a kind of mastermind, I guess it was, on the telephone. Mm. And absolutely loved that. But for me, it's very much how do I balance? And and I'm also mentoring people at work. So we have mentoring programs that, that you sign up for. So how do I balance everything that I'm doing and then still find that time to, to spend with basically giving back and, and helping people get ahead? I feel I was talking to my boss at work about it the other day because I was talking to him about be prepared for me to be going on to LinkedIn and, and being more mentoring on LinkedIn because I feel that as a woman, certainly as a woman in technology, in leadership now, if I'd had a, a different level of support and a different level of understanding of what was required, I feel like I could have got done more faster and, and been a bit further ahead. <laughs> okay. Tell me how you organize your time. Because, I, yeah, I've got four kids and I know when they were all younger and you've got the after school activities and you've got everything else going on, I had to be, it was military precision. Getting out the house, getting everybody organised was like down to a fine art. Yeah. How do you do everything you do and do the stuff with the kids? I, I've got very resilient and independent kids, for starters, I think I would say. So definitely my, my time of cooking meals during the week is, is minimal now because um, I've got older boys to do that. And um, I've got a fantastic housekeeper that actually comes in every day during the term. Oh, wow. And does, occasionally does the drop-offs, but does pickups as well. And we share, like, uh, Liam lives quite close down the road and takes one of his kids to uh, at the same school that my middle child goes to. So he does the pickups in the morning, which is just brilliant because the kids will be tardy for me and they will take their time and it will be a bit of a wind in the morning. But when someone else is doing it, generally always ready and always happy and in the car and off they go. Yeah. So on saying that, I do have quite a big Sunday afternoon routine because just making sure the school clothes are done for the week but also I do the school lunches as much as I can in one big hit so there's you know huge conveyor belts of of lunches happening so that I know that no matter what happens they've all got lunches and they go to school for the entire week and obviously some things I'll have to take out the fridge but for the most part that's um it's already in waiting for them and your middle child is autistic, isn't he? Yeah, Jonathan's on the spectrum, so he's Asperger's, and um, it's. I think he was probably most impacted by our when I got divorced. He refused school for a long time. It was just really difficult. Really couldn't cope with his own emotions and and how he felt about things. I ended up asking my brother to take him. He went and stayed with my mum for a while in New Zealand, and then when he came back, just still couldn't get him to school. And it was it's so traumatic for anyone whose child they were refused school. You'll know that it's just the most traumatic experience. And my brother came down from Queensland. He's got four kids and homeschooled them all and picked him up one day and took him back to Queensland and homeschooled him. And literally, I feel, turned his life around in some ways because there was no, there was just schoolwork and outdoors and very little internet. He just came back almost a different child. So he's challenging, but he goes to school every day. And, and certainly 
he's not the child that I was just having a discussion with one of my other kids about whether he should be able to jump on the train and, and make his own way to school. And that's just not something we can do with him. He's still got to have a lot more attention and a lot more, a more protective of, of making sure that he's got strict routines in place and does make it to school and, um, you know, got eyes on him. He's the one where the school is calling me all the time because he's rocking up. So, yeah, it's still challenging. So what, what is Asperger's and how does it impact him? So Asperger's is on the autism spectrum and it impacts different people in different ways. But a couple of things with Jonathan specifically is he can't read emotion and he can't necessarily collect, connect well with his own emotions. So if he comes into a room and people have been having like a serious discussion or an emotional time or somebody's very upset, he won't be able to understand that there's a certain way to lean into that or to empathize with that or to react and respond to that. He's just got one mode. That's his mode. And it's all about him, really. And yet <laughs> he feels very strong emotions himself. He can't... Um, you have to be very structured, give him a lot of warning and almost tread quite lightly around him. He's got no flexibility. He's not able to pivot well. He can't, can't pivot well emotionally and he can't pivot well out of routine either. Yeah, so he needs a good, head, a good uh, line of sight to get his head around what he has to do. And how did the other kids cope with him, especially the younger ones? How did they deal with it? He went through a time where he was quite violent. And I think that was very frightening for them, very frightening. So part of getting him to go and stay with my brother was also being actually basically putting in a protective measure for my younger kids who weren't coping. Right. But now that he's older and I feel that he's turning 14 next month, he's got better boundaries himself. Yeah, they, they get on okay. We just, they kind of stay out of each other's ways. Can I say that? Like he's difficult when you sit down to eat dinner at the table in the past, he couldn't eat with us because he couldn't handle how the other children were eating, didn't like the sounds, and he didn't like the way they moved their mouths or whatever. So for years, couldn't eat dinner with us. And it's a simple thing, but that was a challenge. And yesterday, uh, we were having macaroni cheese, whatever one of the kids had made, and we were sitting at the table, and he came and he sat down with us and ate dinner. And I think I was, wow. was thinking, it's probably the first time that he's done that without, you know, without a problem, everyone was chatting. So I feel like as he's growing older, he's managing to adjust better and socialize more how does he go on at school talking of socializing yeah he's got a, a set of friends he's just a bit naughty he's a bit naughty at the moment a bit rebellious doesn't like authority and he doesn't like to be answerable so that's a challenge but he's going he's going every day and he's smart which helps so we'll have to see how he goes I don't know if you've done human design at all, but there's definitely a type of person and I'm one of those who asks for forgiveness and not permission. And it, it comes around just knowing that everyone's going to stop you if you're going to, like if I said to people, I want to do a movie and I want to build properties and look after my kids and do this great job at work and get up the leadership ladder. And, you know, I told my boss the other day, I, I want to be on the board. So not, not necessarily that board, but I definitely, my goal is to be a board member at some stage. And I feel like if you tell people, they're like, no, no, you can't. Yeah. You just can't do that. So, so I'm like, yeah. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> and then I'll tell everyone afterwards. Sometimes <laughs> it's the only way to do it. You've done all this, all of this. And um, one of the things I've always loved about you is you've always got a smile on your face and you're always laughing. You're getting divorced. You're bringing up five kids by yourself. You've got a high powered job. 
And then you've got an autistic boy who I can imagine it. Everything that everybody else does can be really irritating to him because he doesn't understand it. How did you do all that and deal with it in a really kind and happy kind of manner? Uh, I think it's fair to say that I'm not always kind and happy. That's Liam uh, putting his head through my <laughs> I think it's fair to say that obviously it's not always a kind and happy space and sometimes it can be traumatic and actually I do have a story around this where soon after I got divorced like maybe within the first six months I was really down partly because I wanted to have that fairy tale ending to my life I wanted to be married forever to one person I didn't want to not be married that wasn't my plan and it wasn't working for me and I spent a lot of time, a lot of weekends, I was fine at work because I've got a work hat that I put on, but on the weekends, I just wasn't coping. I was in bed on the weekends and I had great friends that would come and sit on my bed and make, make me get up and go and play tennis. So I developed this huge love of tennis during this time and, and learned how to play quite well. But I was really down and, and depressed and, and I had to come, I, I can remember having almost like a mini crisis about What's my purpose? Why am I here? What's it all about? What am I doing? I'm not happy. That's what it was. I put a plan in place, which was I want a leadership role. I wasn't in a leadership role at that time. I wanted a certain amount of money. I think it was $250,000 a year. And I wanted an investment property. So I was like, if I do this, I'm going to feel better about my life and about myself. I feel like when you call that stuff out, it actually comes to you. So always be careful what you what you wish for. But I was really fortunate that we were looking at properties, managed to find this one here. My boss came to me and said, I've got a role in our leadership team. I didn't know what it was. He didn't know either. He said, just say yes. So I did. And my bonus that year put me over the 250 mark, which was really great. Wow. And then just after, just a couple of um, months after that, we settled on this property and I got the keys to to come in here. And I've really worked. I'd actually really worked hard. So this, yes, you say I want this, but you actually have to really work. And some of that work meant on New Year's Eve, I was sitting on a call, taking a call with Optus to, to deal with some customer issues at 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, just up so many nights working, working my butt off at work to make it happen. And really focused on getting this property as well. Just like even coming up with a deposit had been a huge stretch that we'd really had to, you know, we got support from a friend actually who gave us 10 grand that I paid back when I got my next bonus to get over that 55 grand deposit. So it wasn't easy, but it was, I was determined to do it. And I really felt I'm going to find my happy after this. I got the keys for the house and I can remember coming in and it's that first moment of being in here. And I thought, oh, this is fantastic. I've actually... Now that I think about it, everything's just come together exactly as I'd asked. And I'm still so friggin' unhappy, actually. I'm not. I haven't found my bloody happy. <laughs> so that was when I had this existential crisis about what am I doing? And it's obviously not working. And I've sacrificed so much to get the stuff. And it's actually not making me happy. And I had to really think about what is it that I want and what are the things that make me happy and start introducing those into my life. My life. So looking at what do I need to actually feel happy? What does that look like? And then what does my environment need to be like for me to be happy? And then that's where the higher purpose stuff came in. Like what is the higher purpose stuff that I need to be working on so that I'm not just always focused on, you know, getting things for me that actually aren't fulfilling. I feel like a lot of people might go out and uh, I don't know if you feel this as well, Karen, but, but might go out and sacrifice and, and keep thinking when I get there, then I'm going to be happy or when I get there. And, and I, I feel like I was very fortunate to, to get there 
and discover that that wasn't what I was looking for. So it's changed the way I've done things definitely and obviously gone on to buy more investment properties and better work and better roles and, and more money, all of that. But there's much more of a focus now on actually doing those things that, that are going to make me happy and taking the time. I just took a couple of days out last week with a friend of mine in the city just to have a bit of a retreat. So, you know, really just making sure that I'm balancing well enough so that I am being that happy. So when was this? So you said when we moved into the, this house, this is a couple of years ago, is it? Yeah, it was a few years ago and I'm way past that now. Like generally happy, although I do have a reputation at work for, for coming across as very calm and collected always. And I don't necessarily feel that I'm feeling like that inside. Okay. <laughs> so maybe it's just how I appear. I think that I've got so many routines in my life that actually just are very supportive. And I've got people like Meredith who comes and helps out with the kids, makes sure things are tidy every day and does all of that stuff for me. So I think it's really key things that I've been fortunate enough to put in place just wrap it around wow so in terms of personal development and everything how long have you been doing the personal development who have you been working with and what would you say has made the biggest difference for you wow I have been doing personal development forever <laughs> forever I can remember finding Tony Robbins so many years ago, like over 20 years ago and thinking, I've got to do more, you know, I've got to do more of this, I've got to, to do it myself. So there's always a really strong drive in me to be thinking about who am I? What's my purpose? How am I showing up? Am I doing the right thing? Am I on the right path? Am I in, in alignment with what I should be doing? And how do I balance this all out with the family because it, it's easy to say I think it's probably easy to be in alignment with yourself if you don't have a family mm. there's no responsibility you don't have to make money and send them to school or the set or the next thing but but once you've got a family and being in alignment is different it's different it's like how do I align for myself and yet how do I expand that out to make sure I'm aligning for everyone as well so personal development yeah it's been a part of my journey for as long as I can remember I've done a lot personally to do that and I've even done a lot through work and a lot of what I'm doing now at the moment is thinking about it's kind of corporate ease, but I'm going to go there. I feel like as a corporate leader, and if you look at corporates, there's a lot of feeling around the 16,000 people where I work now, there were 50,000 people where I worked before. Wow. And one of my bosses, he had a very particular introverted type of approach to things. And he moved on and somebody else came into his place and he had a different work style. And I noticed that within that environment, the way that the first boss had worked was reflected by everyone underneath him it was like 1800 people that reported into him ultimately and then when the second person came their style all changed and it made me realize that the leader is the culture and in in corporate world they say oh the leader sets the culture but I think it's more than that I think how you show up and what you're embodying actually establishes a culture that everyone adopts so for me it's really one of the the key ways that I'm thinking now for my own way is how do I, what am I embodying when I'm at work? How am I showing up? And how is this setting a culture for everyone else? Because who you are is what happens to your organization. I was having a conversation with my eldest son the other day about schools. And the comment that I made was exactly what you just said. The girls were at a particular school and the head left. And I wouldn't have chosen for the girls to go to that school with the new principal because he was saying, what made you choose this particular school? And I said, it was the headmaster. 
he was somebody that you could follow and the whole atmosphere in the school the direction the expectations the achievements are a reflection of the head of the school and if they're not in alignment with what you want for your kids or you're not comfortable there or things are tolerated that you wouldn't tolerate at home then don't send your kids there. That's the most important thing. And that's exactly what you're saying. But I hadn't taken it the step further and gone, okay, so who I'm being is actually reflecting on everybody else and creating an experience and bringing out certain patterns of behaviour in everybody else. I hadn't even considered that, no. Yeah, interesting. And I think the other thing is when you're in the space of personal development and you're thinking about things like, human experience and purpose and alignment and what is the experience that I want to have as a human being in this life experience, right? Which is pretty standard for us to be thinking about, but it's absolutely not standard for anyone outside of that who's just getting up and going to work and coming home. And and I feel that if you can go into a work environment where you can have a big influence on a lot of people just by how you show up and the things that you're saying and just by helping them to think a little bit about the fact that you're a human being. You're part of the human species. Where are we going? And this is your human experience. How do you want that to actually play out? And how can you start choosing to have a better human experience by what your choices are and what you're doing? So that's where I'm going with my personal development and and also going with my, I feel, with my role as a leader. So in terms of your own personal development what are you doing at the moment so you did tony robbins i mean we've done pretty much exactly oh yeah haven't we tony robbins and kiyosaki and deepak Chopra. yeah so many so um did kiyosaki follow katrina ruth for those of you who who know her cat i think was working for a while with marcy Locke. i've been across to the states a couple of times now for events that marcy's holding and Marcy was a million dollar mentor. So she charged a charged million dollars per client to mentor with her. So she's wow. at that level. I just find her, I was reading something about her from her the other day. And it was the simplest thing. It was something like, if you're not getting the results that you want, you need to check and make sure that your behavior is actually in alignment and moving you towards those results and not away from them. something simple like that but so profound she's very profound and she's had a profound influence on me she was the one when I was trying to think about what's my purpose in life who said your purpose in life is to fully experience your human experience and then I was like oh that that makes sense what am I here for I'm here to be human and I'm here to have a human experience and to have you know the best human experience that I can so she's been a huge influence on me and and I would say continues to be when I just look at her post and I think oh that completely makes sense so are you still working with Marcy I haven't worked with her for a while she was in Melbourne last year obviously caught up with her a couple of times so and I would definitely work with her in the future yeah yeah um, I'm in one of her in her best life tribe which is a membership tribe so so definitely what else am I doing um Went over last year to Vegas for work and the weekend before there was a marketing retreat by somebody called Mitch Miller. Absolutely brilliant time. So, And I hung out with Helen Pritchard as well, who's the, the queen of LinkedIn and had a really fantastic time. But more than that, I think things like managing my morning routine and my evening routine, managing my emotions, and having that concept of having a trained mind where you, you understand how you're feeling and you understand how you want to feel and you're actively taking the steps that you need to to get into that headspace. 
the concept for me that very much came from Marcy again, which is, and I'm sure you, you, you're you all across this, Karen, which is your frequency is your reality. Mm. And the sort of the level that you're operating at is going to determine what is reflected back to you from life. I don't have a problem, by the way, I know some people do, I don't have a problem with thinking, oh, I'm really into this right now and I'm really into this person that's really fulfilling a need for me and then thinking, oh, well, I'm done with that now, I'm looking at the next thing because I've actually outgrown that and I've got different needs now and I'm taking all that learning with me and, and building onto it and to, to the next thing. And, and I would say that I've seen my identity over the last six years change at least four times in terms of what I'm wearing, how I'm showing up, what lipstick color I'm wearing, for example. And, and then I think, oh, my whole jewelry's changed. I can remember when I first got separated, I was all into pearls, lots of pearls. Oh. And now, you know, just can't wear pearls and totally different different mm. jewelry and everything. So I'm I'm absolutely okay with that. And I think that's you know, that's the way that I'll go. So even I'm interested to understand how the next few years or the next ten years are are going to play out. I saw somebody the other month that I haven't seen in a very long time. And when I saw her, I realized she's still got exactly the same haircut and is wearing literally exactly the same clothes as she was when I met her nearly 20 years ago. <laughs> she never ever changes her hairstyle or a style of clothes. And but to me, that's okay, that kind of fits for her, but it would never yeah. fit for me because and nor for you because you want to be trying different things yeah and I haven't reached a place where yeah. I kind of feel I don't want to ever reach a place where I feel like okay I'm done that's it yeah. Yeah. I just want to be trying new stuff and okay I've done that bit tick I've worked with that person that worked really well okay what's next and try something new and keep growing and I would hate to be to feel like that's it, I'm done, because that's it, life's over then, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a journey, isn't it? And you, and almost sometimes when I do things, I think, oh, I'm not really comfortable with that. And then I'm like, well, you're going to try it to see how it mm. works, because uh, that's what moving outside of your comfort zone is. Yeah, and there's like the two sides to that. There's the bit where it doesn't feel comfortable because you haven't done it before and it's outside your comfort zone, but there's also the bit where it doesn't feel comfortable because it's really not aligned with who you are and you yeah but you've also got to try the two things to find out whether something's that's right or not yeah. you know yeah and I, I definitely have to try that I, I've done some human design as well what's human design human design it's it's based on the I Ching if you know what that is oh, yeah. you put your details in and it comes up with a couple of things about you specifically and there's something similar to that called the gene keys which does the same thing it like analyzes you, you and when you were born and so insightful for me that was one of the most insightful things I've ever done and it tells you whether you're I think there are a couple of types there's a manifester or a generator or a Manifesto, generator, a reflector, or I forget the, the, it'll come to me, the next one, I think it starts with P. But basically, or you can be a manifesting generator. So manifestors can just go and make things happen. They're just okay. manifesting. Sorry. Whereas generators have to actually, they work and they have to wait for somebody to come up with something and they respond to that. And that, for me, that's just been the, uh, an incredibly insightful understanding of myself it's based on I don't know energy centers in your system and whether they're defined or open and if they're open you take other people's energy and reflect it back 
reflector. Yeah, I think I said reflectors on it. And when I did that, I thought to myself that that has been so insightful about me and when I show up with people because one of the things I know is I've got an undefined emotional center, which means that if I'm with somebody, I will take on their emotion and, and almost expand it and, mm. and send it back. So the benefit of that is I can be with someone now that I know that and I can feel how they're feeling and I can also know that it's not me, it's them. So it's been a huge, a huge plus for me learning that. And I learned enough about it, despite the fact that I can't remember half of the things out, to, to actually sit down with people and talk about what they were so they could get their results back and then I'd be able to interpret that and pay it back to them, which is it's quite important because it, it gives you strategies for showing up in life. Mm. And some people, when you show up, you shouldn't just go out and get a job and, and do the work, obviously. You need to wait and you need to wait to be invited before you can offer your opinion or your there's a high chance will be rejected just because of your type so I did a lot of work on that and then when I started I thought oh I could do one-on-one this would be really great and then did one and I thought I, I totally know this is not for me just from one this I will never do another one because it's just so not for me I just can't not my thing but again I'm the type of person like yourself who has to go and try something yeah. and then I'll be like, oh, it doesn't work for me. No, I'm not going to do that. Where did you find out about this energy stuff? Where did you learn it from? Um, the, I did this course called Divinity Keys, which was u- using the gene keys from Marcy. And then I'm not sure whether I got the human design from, but I knew that it was associated with that. And when I was doing that, people were talking about what's your human design as well. So at some stage... I don't know why I went and looked into it and then did a lot of study on it because it just made such sense to me. I would love you to look into it and then you'll be. Th- uh, yeah, I'm fascinated because it's making me wonder about myself because I'm like you. I feel what is going on for people. Yeah. But then I also find that I can come out of conversations absolutely exhausted yeah. or depressed. Yeah, you've got to go and have a look because it, it just made sense to me. Like even something like doing the grocery shopping. I found that just beyond debilitating walking around the store if I wasn't in the right headspace. Yeah. And I think it's partly oh, <laughs> God, yeah. picking it all up yeah. from everyone. Even today, uh, today was Australia Day and I went to go for a walk this morning and I saw they had this big, I thought, what's all those games and stuff? So I phoned the kids and said, I'm coming back to fetch you, the two little ones, and then took them. And, and then 20 minutes later, I was like, I'm done. We're going. <laughs> Okay, so one more question, then we'll finish up. How did you get involved with the Susie Quattro movie? Susie Quattro. So left field. I know, I know. So again, Liam was the director on that. And um, just as part of all the business stuff that we, we were doing, he got the opportunity from Susie, heard that she wanted a documentary to be put together, reached out to her. And he's not actually a fan, a Susie fan. So he told her, he said, I'm not actually a fan, but I've done documentaries, love to explore it. And she said, she was a bit, I think she was a bit, unsure about the fact that he wasn't a fan but she went away and thought about and thought it's probably better not to have a fan write a document or put together a documentary for me so that kicked off and I've been very much involved since the beginning he straight out asked if I want to be a producer on that and right from putting the contract together and doing all the legals with Susie to get exclusivity for the duration of the movie it meant when I was in the states going and hopping up with some of the interviews that he was having with really cool people that I had no idea who they are actually because my uh, musical <laughs> musical background is so limited but they were very cool hanging out with Susie herself and um, be very much a part of the money side too 
So the budget was over $900,000. It was a big budget. And one thing I didn't realize before I got into it was because you're looking historically at somebody who's got music that needs to be licensed and even getting footage from that time that might not be specifically associated with her, it all has a cost. So every single song, every single second of everything that we did, we were paying somebody to use it. And Susie didn't just do singing, she was also Leather Tuscadero in Happy Days. So getting the Happy Days theme tune or whatever it was, I don't even know if it made the final cut, but Henry Winkler's on the documentary. Just amazing, amazing people that we met along the way. Yeah, so Liam interviewed Alice Cooper and Debbie Harry and Talking Heads and practically any, it felt like anyone is, everyone is anyone, right? Anyone is anyone. So it was a really, really good from that. And Joan Jett, when she was over in in Melbourne last year as well, managed to get her in and get her included as well. Susie was very influential on Joan Jett's style. Do you know? Do you know who I'm talking about? I do know Joan Jett. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, none of it's my music no, no, style, no. so I'm kind of like, I know the names, but I couldn't name a single yeah. record. And it's actually quite, so uh, then once everything was defined and put together, the movie was re-edited and still to keep the emotional, there's quite a strong emotional component in it. And then after that, all the sound and the colour, and we went out with a crowdfunding for some of the things that we did, which was great, and managed to get the money, get it across the line, put it in the Melbourne International Film Festival where it was accepted. Yeah, and that was the launch last year. So, And since then, Liam's been across in Germany and Spain. He pinged me last week. It's in Croatia, I think, or something like that at the moment. But it's, yeah, global. It's been in the UK and New Zealand. And next stop is they've just signed a distribution with the US and Canada. So, good. Wow. I know. (laughs) And... And this is massive, great poster, Susie Q poster with Susie on it looking so hot. And at the bottom, it says executive producer, Stephanie Stevenson. <laughs> and I'm like, I want a poster in the movies. <laughs> um, what's it called? Susie Q, it's called. What does an executive producer actually do? Hustles for money, I would say, and keeps everything on track and gets everything going and, yeah. Cheerleads, cheerleads a bit. Did you enjoy it? Would you do another one? Definitely, yeah, definitely would would love. I loved it, and I'd love to do more. Yeah, so we'll just see what's in the pipeline for that. And why did you love it? What was it about it? I think it was so different from anything that I've done or anything that I do every day. And um, yes, the uh, renovation properties are good because they're they're hard work and rewarding, and you get money out of them. But There's nothing like traveling overseas to go to, you know what I mean? And being in an interview with Gary Marshall in his office, he's the producer of Happy Days and having a discussion with him about Anne Hathaway trying to choose the right guy for her on Princess Diaries. Yeah, it was just can't even. Yeah. So it was just such a brilliant part of my life experience. Oh, congratulations. That is so cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Right, I'll let you wrap it up there. Thanks so much, Stephanie. It's been brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. And look forward to coming in and catching up with you again. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. I'm Karen O'Connor. 
Join me next time for more conversation, laughter and fun as we navigate our way through all the things that midlife throws at us. Please click on the subscribe button so you get notifications of new episodes. And don't forget that all the links and information that we've spoken about in this podcast is available on the podcast page of my website. If you have any ideas for topics you'd like us to chat about, or if you have an inspiring story that you'd like to share, I'd love to hear from you. And constructive feedback is always welcome. Thanks so much for listening. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next time. Bye for now.